0: Wisconsin is home to the third largest Hmong population in the United States. As the community ages, hearing loss is becoming a big problem. But few clinics are equipped to treat Hmong-speaking patients, leading to a health disparity in their care. Part of a hearing evaluation is a word recognition test, which shows when speech is loud enough for someone to understand. The test only comes in the most common languages, like English and Spanish. If the test isn't available in someone's language, then they don't get the test. Over the last few years, researchers at UW-Madison have developed the first Hmong word recognition test. WUWM's Lena Tran spoke to the people behind the test. First, she speaks with Mai Chu Lor, a UW-Madison assistant professor of nursing who led the project.
1: The development of the test really took place because of my father. (laughs) He uh, had hearing loss since she was a child. So when I was doing a postdoc at Columbia University, I would come back home frequently and family members were telling me that my father's hearing has declined significantly because he wasn't responding to conversations, even though he did have a hearing aid. And I have brought him in to see his doctor through the ENT clinic here at UW And in conversation with his doctor, he learned that I was a nurse researcher and that I was coming back to Madison, UW-Madison here, and he has suggested that we should collaborate. So it was really through his motivation and support that I had pulled together a team of uh, him with audiologists and linguists. Just
2: more broadly, could you talk about some of the health needs For the Hmong population, I also understand that the language is primarily oral, like the written language isn't used
1: by a lot of people. From our prior qualitative study that we actually did to get a better understanding of what are the hearing needs in the Hmong community, what we've learned is that due to language barriers and the cultural stigma that comes with hearing loss, not a lot of Hmong people are getting care for hearing. And so that's been a challenge. And then on top of that, you know, even getting hearing care, you know, with the lack of culturally and linguistically appropriate tests from Hmong patients, they're not getting comprehensive, equitable care, right? Things are done based on the peritone test, which is the test that have them listen to different frequency of tone or sounds. You know, the care that they're getting is not as up to par, and so with my father's story, because it has declined in hearing, there was conversation about whether or not he would be a potential candidate for clearing implant. And we couldn't proceed because there isn't the word recognition test. And so that was kind of the motive for why we did this study. And then we learned that it, there are a lot of Hmong patients who are also in the same kind of boat. For people that don't have
2: access to a word recognition test, you mentioned this tonal test. Can you talk about like the limitations of that, if that's all that's available for someone?
1: To my understanding... The peritone test, it's really just a test that looks at frequency of hearing loss. How much sound can they hear versus words, right? Words that are clear, are they able to repeat? That's being missed. And so the only adjustment that audiologists would be able to do with the peritone test is just to help patients hear frequency, like how loud something is versus clarity.
2: So what is a word recognition test. What does that usually entail?
1: Yeah, a word recognition test is a test that encompasses words that are phonetically balanced and are familiar. In the English word list, it's between 20 to 50 words, depending on what audiologists choose. It's been validated. And these are normal words that that English-speaking patients would hear and use. So they're like daily words like bat, ball, right? And so for the Hmong, it's the same kind of concept where we would find phonetically balanced Hmong familiar terms to be used with Hmong patients. And then for us to make sure that it actually does work, we validate it with the community here in Dane County.
2: Okay. And so if it's like a test of like 50 words – Are they like played for someone? And then I guess, what are they saying? Like, yes, I can identify these different words or.
1: It's digitally recorded. It would be played. We went through a really rigorous process of selecting members from the community who have very clear pronunciation and fluency in the Hmong language to record these 50 words. And actually, we have four lists of 50 words. So let's say the word is cat, but then the patient heard it as bat. that's incorrect. So different levels of hearing will allow them to hear the word differently. So if they have true, good hearing, they should be able to hear the word as exactly as it is. Part of the word list is to really use familiar day-to-day terms that people would understand. And then the testing of the word list is to really figure out whether or not they could recognize these words, right? to help audiologists assess how to adjust hearing assessment, whether or not they're like, you know, patients are a candidate for cochlear implants, really to inform treatment. And what's currently in practice for the Hmong population is that they don't get any of that, which is part of comprehensive standard of care for, you know, English speaking patients.
2: And for people that are Hmong speakers What have you observed, I guess, in terms of their reception to the test or, you know, it making them more comfortable in a healthcare space?
1: People were so excited about this project. And we had so many people who were interested in participating in this initially because This is a validation study. We only included normal hearing people. So that's why we had then built in a second study to say, hey, you know, we're not going to like exclude you. But, you know, after we validated this, we will bring you back. My goal is to get it to clinical settings so that home speaking individuals could start using it and get better care. And so I'm currently working with the director of audiology through our UW Health system here to implement this and test its feasibility. So Hmong community members are very excited because we have not had anything for the community that's of the Hmong language. And we have an aging population that's coming through. You're listening to Lake Effect.
2: I'm WUWM's Lena Tran. That was Mai Chu Lore talking about a project she led to help create a hearing test for Hmong speakers. Now we'll hear from Lee Lore a native Hmong speaker who also worked on the project. So what was your relationship with Hmong, I guess as a language, before you got involved with this project? Was this something that you grew up speaking, like hearing in the house that you were fluent in or or not so much, What, how would you have described that?
3: So obviously uh, I am Hmong and I grew up Hmong and speaking Hmong in the household. My parents don't speak English all too well, so, uh me and my siblings, we grew up speaking Hmong in, in the household. Obviously I think it's I think a lot of immigrant families experience this kind of linguistic erasure and cultural erasure as you kind of move and assimilate to different um to the environment that you're surrounded in. I honestly got interested in linguistics com- completely by accident because in my in, in my family, because my parents have like a very I guess a uh, diverse background. Uh, like they were born in Laos, live like kind of grew up in Thailand in the refugee camp. And then now they're in the United States. So with all of those influences, I grew up kind of hearing a lot of different languages in the household. Mm. Not that my parents spoke them all the time, but but it was just because they grew up in these places. So they were very, very much into these types of music or 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 mm-hmm. film or TV shows. And so for me, it was really just growing up watching all of these things and all these different languages. And I think as I grew up, I language just started connecting for me in different ways. And I kind of started to to explore that curiosity. It kind of made me um, sad because I, I, I realized how much of, of our identity is also linked with language and culture as that kind of goes away. Cause I have cousins who are the same age as me and um, most of some of them don't 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 really speak Hmong at all,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and it always makes me curious how they communicate with their parents in the household. When I know their parents' English isn't that great either, and I think seeing that disconnect, and even within myself, you know, not really even noticing just the the, the small parts of of the disconnect with my own parents and the language, I think really strengthen my, my desire to like reconnect with it again. And really in this case, like dissecting it even, even more than what we normally would do on a, on a daily basis with the language that we do speak.
2: That's great. Um, Yeah. My mom is Thai and my dad's Vietnamese and I don't really speak either language and kind of what you're saying about your cousins earlier. There's like a lot of complicated feelings around that. And so I'm curious what you meant when you were talking about the disconnections that you started to observe between yourself and your parents over language what did that feel like or look like for you
3: i think as someone who has studied linguistics and and realizing just how how deeply embedded it embedded is in in terms of culture i think just not really not i think not being able to find the words to communicate with my parents I guess the best way I could say would be in, in in a healthy in a healthy way. I think you know when your when your vocabulary is limited, you tend to just reach for what is the closest, and even then, it doesn't quite describe how you feel or how you think, and that leaves a lot of room for misunderstandings. That leaves a lot of room for, I guess, just pain and hurt as well too. So just not being able to express myself in a way that I wish I could because doing it in English is, is not useful if they don't understand and doing it among is not useful. If I can't fully, I can't, if I can't fully utter all the words that I want to. Uh And even when they're talking to me, like they can say stuff and I'm like, I, I got like half of that. Like, I don't know what the other half means or I don't know what that word means, or I don't know what this expression means. Uh And so sometimes just finding the the frustration of not simply being able to communicate with someone that not only do I live with and whom I love but we're supposed to speak the same language and and yet we're still finding this disconnect like something is just not clicking here
2: yeah yeah so you're in college and summer before senior year tell me about how you got involved with this project
3: uh, well, I was actually in one of uh, Lindsay Walter, Dr. Lindsay Walter's um, classes at the time. Class kind of was just like a very normal linguistics class. I, I I know that Lindsay Walter, I just really got an email from her and she just told me about this project. And she said she's looking to find two students, linguistic students, who obviously also have like a Hmong language background mm-hmm. um, to kind of help like do this research project. And she said she was very interested in asking myself and then Micey as well, if we were both interested. And we both were. We both were very much interested. So we both said yes.
2: I, I guess I'm curious what like the process looked like for you. Lindsay mentioned that you looked at some reference works among stories. I'm curious what those stories were about. Tell me what that summer work looked like.
3: When we first started, Professor Walter was had given us a lot of reference articles on kind of just like how previous uh lists were were created and just kind of some general background information articles that we read the thing with that is a lot of them especially obviously since we're in the united states a lot of them were done using obviously english as as a reference for these lists but the big difference between doing one for among wordless as well versus the english one is a lot of like the foundation has already been created for for english where like for the Hmong language there was pretty much nothing so basically normally for an English one you have all these databases that that basically contain like every every single possible English word mm-hmm. that exists and it basically calculates the repetition of consonants and vowels and obviously in this case for Hmong it would, it would account for tones as well but with all of that you were able to kind of compile a, a list that closely reflects the amount of occurrences in terms of and mm-hmm. vowels. So this is where our storybooks and our folklore and children's books all kind of came into play. We had to create our own word bank database to pull from. And that's basically what these books were. You know, we compiled a bunch of different Hmong folklore and folktales, Hmong kids books, anything that we could really find in text. And then we had to extract all the text from all of these books and stories and then put them into essentially what is an Excel spreadsheet. But once we were able to kind of extract these words from these texts, we were able to kind of break these words up into its parts and then count the frequency of how much these consonants and sounds and vowels and tones occurred. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And then once we could figure out the frequency of, of these occurrences, we could create a list based on those. That's so cool.
2: What did your parents make of your involvement? Did you share the project with them? And what did they think about it?
3: I did. But I think, you know, going back to like that disconnect part is that I don't think they fully understood the idea of the research project. And so it, I think it was like a little bit hard to explain the process and as weird as that sounds because the thing is when that project came to me it kind of came at a really really good time where I felt like I was knowledgeable enough to the extent that I could understand how like breaking down the linguistics aspect of it but also really appreciating it because my father also was actually like l- struggling with hearing loss at the time um, and he still is to this day and he is still like any typical Asian man, very resistant in using his hearing aids. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it's a it's a it's a daily battle to get him to to wear those. So for me, I was able to appreciate on, on on several different levels because I was like, like seeing my dad not being able to hear well every day and not even really being able to have basic conversations with people, because if they talk to him, he either doesn't he can't hear so he misunderstands what they're asking a lot or he just doesn't respond to them Mm. and I actually went to one of his hearing tests once and obviously at the time like the hearing test I went to just used like beeping sounds um not actual words but just seeing that and being like wow yeah if if they were doing like a hearing test that required them to use words for me it was matter of like is is he hearing but not understanding or is he not hearing at all and we can't pinpoint Problem, you can't find a solution for the actual problem you're trying to, to find.
0: That was WUWM's Lena Tran speaking with two members of the team behind the Hmong hearing test. She spoke with Mai Chu Lor, a UW Madison assistant professor of nursing, and Lee Lor, a native Hmong speaker and member of the linguistics team. You can hear more interviews like this one by visiting the Lake Effect page at wuwm.com.